Welcome back. My name is George Brooks. In today's episode, we got a chance to bring back a previous guest, Jeff Godoff. And we had such a great time talking last time about teams and what makes the most um, effective and um, best teams in the world. But this time we took it in a slightly new direction. Jeff's just recently put out a new book called Forever Employable. And it's all about how to move away from going after looking for that next job and instead find the jobs looking for you. And that's really, um, really beautifully laid out in his book and in our conversation about putting a flag in the ground about something you know and being willing to tell your story, but understanding that this is hard work and it takes a lot of work, a lot of discipline to actually move to becoming a thought leader in your space, in your company, in your market or your industry. And um, I think the, the conversation was really exciting hearing Jeff's story about how he did that for himself. It parallels a lot of what Crema has been doing um, inside our organization. And I think you're going to learn a lot about how you yourself can become forever employable. So let's jump into the conversation with Jeff Godoff. Jeff, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to see you again. I hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, George. Thanks for having me. And yeah, doing great. You know, knock on wood. Everything's yes. hold, holding steady so far. I was looking back. We talked in 2019 when we were still ignorantly blissful of what 2020 was going to be and how great it was going to be. Yeah. And we had the year that we had, um, but it's now 2021. Not a whole lot's changed yet, but we're moving forward. And um, I, I'm really excited to get to talk to you today about a couple different things. Last time you were on the episode, we talked about teams, and you know what makes the most powerful teams, and how they um, how they think and how they work together. And I got a lot out of that. But you've you've been thinking and writing and publishing, yeah. which is what you do, mm. and actually what you're kind of talking about now. Um, yeah. So when, I want to take a little bit of a, a chance to talk to you about your one of your new books, um, Forever Employable. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about the thesis of this this book, this idea of becoming forever employable. That's hard to say, by the way, uh, but I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's I've gotten some good practice on it in the last That's six good. months or so. That's good. But but no, so, so look, the the idea behind Forever Employable is that corporate loyalty is dead, and the stress of having to manage a career, professional development and growth in turbulent times. And, and look, mm. the reality is, is that the pace of change and the turbulence that we're going to see in job markets is only going to intensify. It's not, it's not going to get calmer. And that's for a variety of reasons, not just because of, of uh, pandemics necessarily, but, but also because of the pace of technological change, the outsourcing yeah. of work. Um, the, the, the rapid change in the work. So there are jobs that are becoming increasingly less relevant in the future. And so navigating that is incredibly stressful. Forever Employable is designed to say, look, you have experience, you have expertise, you have a story, tell it, build a presence, build a foundation for yourself and start to reverse the traditional flow of jobs and opportunities from you chasing them to them chasing you. So it's, it's, it's literally trying to reverse the flow of opportunities so that no matter what happens, 
you've always got an opportunity or two or three kind of headed your way and, and it really reduces the stress of professional development and career growth. What does it take to even get to that level though? I mean, you're, you're describing an ideal and I love it. I love this idea. And of course, it's a little bit different for me now as a founder of an organization, which we can talk about how it applies to an organization, but for an individual that's exploring this idea where they, they're, they've been chasing after their jobs, how many kids are coming out of college thinking, I got to go get my career or how many people have been in the industry for a long time and going, I need, I'm, I'm no longer relevant or what, I don't know what's next. What does it take to actually do this to become what you describe? I think it takes a couple of things. I mean, it takes it takes a, a it takes focus, it, and it takes persistence and consistency, and 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 then beyond that, it's it's the the willpower to give this a shot. You know, I, I work with folks these days. So I, I run a workshop based on this now, and I work with folks who are heading down this 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 path. And the first obstacle that they face is okay. Well, what am I gonna what am I gonna talk about? Like, mm-hmm. what is my? I call it. What flag are you going to plant in the book, right? So, so what is the flag that I'm going to plant? And for a lot of folks, you know, they immediately reach for their job title. Well, I'm a designer. I'm a product manager. Um, I'm, a, I'm a technologist in some way. And they'll say, well, that's what I can talk about, and that's good, right? That's 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 definitely something you can it's consider. Starting point. For sure, people have other passions and, and expertise. You know, when I when I was starting out, I write about this in the book. When I when I was starting out in doing this, I and I'm, I've maintained this to this day. But I I have a a an unusual amount of knowledge about vintage electric pianos. I just uh, as a as a as a piano player my whole life, and having played in bands for years, I, I used to have a collection of vintage electric pianos. I knew a lot about it, right? something I could talk about. It was, it, I, it was a serious consideration of like, I might, might plant my flag as this an expert. Thing. In, right. Except then you start to think about it. You're like, okay, great. Like how many other people care about this? Right. right. And yes, people care about this, but there's like 13 people care about this, you know? <laughs> Specifically like, in the vintage piano space, right? Yeah, right. You know, and like, who wants to talk about this? And so, and so for me, it was it was a question of audience size, right? So, so right-sizing the decision is really good. You don't want to go be like, you know, product management. Like product management is massive, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. like it could be everything, but you don't want to you don't want to say something like, well, I want to be a uh, product manager for online veteran veterinary clinics in Brazil, right? Like that that, <laughs> that, that, that feels like audience. real, yeah, right. Really. So, so it's 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 right sizing it, and then and then it's really then having the 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 drive, the consistency, and the willpower to put your ideas out there. Um, this is the tough. This is the tough part, right? This, this is the getting over the the mindset that everything's been said already. Mm-hmm. Who's going to listen to me? How will I rise above the noise? Who am I to even say anything about this? Um, I don't know how to talk about this. Uh, you know, there's so many other people who are better than me at this, right? It's, it's getting over all those sort of psychological hurdles and just putting yourself out there consistently, so that eventually you get associated with that thing, and mm-hmm. then when people need that thing. You're the person they go to. Do you find, as you've been exploring this and you, as you put the book out and you're doing your workshops, who are you finding this connects with the most? Is it the, that young professional that's trying to, to kind of make a name for themselves as they get into the career? Or is it someone who's been there, has some experiences, and is ready to share those with the world or, or, or both? Um, so look, the target. Let's let's be let's be fully transparent. Yeah. The target reader persona for the book was a mid-career knowledge worker. Yeah. Okay. That's who that's who I wrote the book for. In fact, I, I the 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 mental image that I have of it is my best friend, 
Okay. My best friend, uh, same age as me. We went to college together. I've known him for 30 years at this point. Very similar, you know, families and grew up, uh, kind of kids grew up together. They're expats like, like yep. us. They're in Ireland. We're in Spain. Love it. Um, and, um, and he, what he's done is he's followed the traditional career path. He's a technologist um, and he's, he's followed the traditional career path where it's like, you know, he'll get his promotion and he'll get a little bit more money, a little bit more responsibility, a slightly better title. And then the next move a couple of years later is a similar kind of thing. And, he, and he's made his way up and he's, you know, he's, he's done a decent job of getting kind of into a kind of a upper middle management position in a nice sized organization. But every single time that there is a market shift, a new competitor, some kind of turbulent event, geopolitical instability, pandemic, you name it, right? He panics. Mm. I got a resume. I got to get there. I got to start hunting. He's terrified, right? I, and I wrote that for him. I want to really want to be like, here's here are the here's the recipe. And he's seen me do this for twenty years. Like he's this is no surprise. But like here's the recipe. You do this. So so that was the target audience, right? Mid career knowledge worker who's got 10, 15, 20 years of experience that they can lean on and tell stories from. That said, I've been having a lot of conversations since the book was published about six months ago with folks who are brand new to mm. prof professional life. So 19, 20, 21, 22, fresh out of school, fresh out of uh, tech school, whatever it is, right? And, and rightfully so, they're asking me, Jeff, what the hell am I going to talk about? Like, this is like, I'm, I've done nothing. You know, like, I'm 19. Right, like, right. I, just been, I just went through like tech boot camp, you know, uh -huh. and I know how to make, I know how to do some front end development. And I said, that's perfect. Like, yeah. talk about your experience. Yeah. First day on the job hunt, first job interviews, getting your first job, first day at work, first hundred days. Like, tell that story. There, because there's so many people who are in similar circumstances to you and they need that validation they need that that insight to say oh yeah yeah i'm, I'm totally feeling the same way mm -hmm. i like what they tried there let me let me apply let me apply that thing and and it's it's um and the best part about this right and this is and this is the thing that i think a lot of people get hung up with um is that you have a unique story to tell mm. because only you've done the things that you've done. Only, you, only you've taken the exact same steps, made the same decisions, uh, you know, you kind of made those choices, made the mistakes that you've made. And so while it may seem like, ah, like my first day on the job, how many blog posts are there about my first day on the job, right? And I would argue there's probably yeah. a million. Yeah, fair. Right? Uh, but there's never been a first day on the job for George, right? right. Like George's first day on the job, right? Right. I, I, Right, or something like that, right? So, yeah, so that, that's the thing that I'm pushing and like get out there and do like it, and, and it works, right? I'm living proof that it works. The case studies in the books and uh, the book is living proof that it works. And so that's the push. I, I absolutely love this. This is something that uh, probably about four or five, gosh, how long has it been? Maybe five years ago inside of our organization at Crema, we're a digital product agency. And we had, um, I had a mentor actually tell me, um, I said, what's one thing that you wish you would have done? And he, he's, you know, gosh, 20 years ahead of me. Uh, he has a, you know, multi-million dollar, tens of million dollar um, organization. They have several hundred employees. And I said, what would you do? You know, I'm, I'm only what, at that point, five years into this journey, what, what would you do? And he goes, take pictures. And I said, what do you mean take pictures? He goes, take pictures because you'll forget where you came from mm -hmm. and you won't be able to share with people what you learned. 
And I thought, well, it's 2000, whatever. Why don't we just film it? And so at the time we did what everybody was kind of doing at the time. And we held a camera in front of our faces and we walked around the office and we started talking about what it was like to be at Crema, what it was like to design here, what it was like to do product management here, what it was like to do technology here. And we started kind of documenting this and, and creating a story. Cool. And, um, and then we said, let's put it on YouTube. And now did we become the next Logan Paul or whoever's, you know, whatever YouTuber you want to talk about? No. And thank goodness. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, there was a capture of a small audience that, that was really interested in what it looked like to have, see a creative team do great work. Um, to understand how they worked. And um, and for, for Crema as an organization, it was really putting that flag in the ground. Like we believe some great be done when you have a culture and environment like this. And so that became our story, which now turns into a podcast and then turns into a blog post and turns into maybe a book that I might write this year, et cetera. Um, so you, I think in the book, you talk a lot about how it happens on an individual level but I think there is an opportunity where it can happen as a team or a group of people can tell this same story as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I got good at this, basically being the content marketing for our agency. So in, in I decided to head down this path in 2008 when I turned mm -hmm. 35, but it took, me, it took me four years to leave sort of full-time employment and so in January of 2012, I started an agency, product design studio, product design development studio in New York with two colleagues, Josh Seiden, who's mm -hmm. been my business partner ever since and, and colleague and co-author and, uh, and Gif Constable, who has done, gone on to do tremendous things. He was the chief product officer of Meetup most recently. Yeah. Um, and, and the three of us launched this agency that in 2012 was selling lean and agile and design thinking product development services. And in 2012, nobody knew how to sell or buy those services and or why they should. And so my, my part in the organization was content generation, mm -hmm. talking about this way of working, how we're working this way, why we're working this way, um, the clients that we've worked with, the things that led up to thinking that this was a better way of working and so forth. And, and really served initially, not so much to build my own personal brand, although that was a nice side effect, no, yeah, of no course. lie, um, but to build the brand of Neo. The agency was called Neo. And, uh, and that was the goal. The goal was to build the brand of, of Neo as a lean agile design thinking product design studio. And, and, it, and again, it, it works like there's, there's the, the, you're getting the ideas out there. They are being implanted in the collective psyche of your target audience. And then when they need that service, it's like, what's well, Neo? It's got to yeah, be the, That's the name they're already thinking of. Or for you, it's, it's Jeff. Like they right. already know Jeff Godolf is the guy that we're going to call when we need them to come in and speak on something or, or lead a workshop. Yeah, exactly. And then, and look today, I mean, look, and especially now with, with Lean UX essentially being the first, the first kind of big flag that I planted, yeah. And 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 it being such a successful book, um, you know, I'm the Lean UX guy. You know, you, you Google Lean UX, I'm typically you. the first. You're all over it. Yeah. Me. yeah, yeah. And so, and then look, and that, and that's that's a, I talk about this in the book. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing too. Like if you ever want to move on from that or do yeah, other things that. or bigger things, they're like, that's cool, Jeff. You want to talk about forever employable, but you're, you're a lean UX you're guy. This guy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So that's which is well, interesting. What 
What are some of the challenges as people, you already talked about the plan and kind of this, I guess you could call it even the grit of like having to kind of sit in and go push into it. But what are some of the challenges of actually putting that flag in the ground and of getting started moving towards this? And, and so it's interesting. I'm, I'm leading a cohort in my workshop right now of product design and tech folks, actually some marketing folks as well, who are doing this. And we're going through the process and they're, they're each at varying stages of, of sort of developing their platform and their audience and their professional reputation. And the biggest challenges for them is, are, is for, for the folks who are still kind of at the, the flag planting stage is specificity. Mm-hmm. And so like, for example, so it, they'll say things like, well, um, you know, uh, my experience in product management leads me to believe that we're developing products wrong and I'd like to help develop products right. You know, like, okay. Good. You and everyone else, but I get it. Yeah. Okay. Well, exactly. Right. And so, okay. Say more, like let's right. unpack that. And really, because, because it's that specificity that eventually is going to, is going to give you that, that leg up or that uniqueness or that unique value proposition in the marketplace. Like for example, there's a guy named Mark Graben, um, mm. who I just thought of Mark, Mark Graben. He's, um, he's a big guy in the lean world, Kai, like lean Kaizen, some lean startup yep. stuff. Um, that stuff's been around a long time. And, and there is a, there's a, an ocean of content around that. But Mark Graben, he's the lean Kaizen, Kanban, lean startup guy for healthcare and specifically for hospitals, mm. right? That's where he focuses. And so getting to that level of specificity lets him stand up stand stand out from the crowd to say, look, when I, if I'm thinking about optimizing the operations of hospitals and healthcare organizations, well, that's the guy, right? right. And so to me, that's, that's the biggest challenge I'm seeing folks that I'm working with right now is getting them to be specific, specific enough to the point where they stand out, but broad enough to have enough of an audience to generate lots of leads. And it's an interesting balance. It's, it's funny because it actually makes me think a lot of we don't, we don't do as much work with startups as we once did as an early agency, but it does make me think of kind of a lot of that, the startup principles, right? Where you, you're make sure you have a problem to solve that there is enough of an audience that will, you know, buy into that, become a fan of it, purchase it, et cetera. Um, and then, then you talk about in the book, you, you have to kind of start running experiments. You have to see what's sticking. So try a position. Is it too specific? Is it too broad? Try, is there something maybe just to the left of it that's, that's even better? What are, what are ways that you see people actually running experiments to, to test their story, to test their, their flag? I really take a lot of the sort of the very standard product development principles that I've been talking about for years. Lots of people have been talking about for years in lean startup and lean UX and so forth. Um, And, and yeah, you, you write a hypothesis, right? The hypothesis says like, I believe that I'm going to reach, um, you know, DIY uh, home improvers with my awesome plumbing videos on YouTube. Yeah. Right. And my plumbing, like DIY plumbing fixes home, home repair videos. And I'll know that I'm right when I see, when I get a hundred subscribers by the end of the year, or when I get a thousand views on at least one of my first 10 videos, something like that. So we're we're talking about like a target audience. We're talking about a problem to solve. We're talking about an outcome as a measure of success. And then, yeah. And then it's a matter of testing that hypothesis. So, so for example, then the question becomes, okay, what's the riskiest part of that hypothesis that we should test first? Well, do, do 
uh, DIYers, DIY home repair folks, watch YouTube. Like that's a, that's that's an mm-hmm. interesting thing. I you know you could argue yes, you could argue no. I think depending on the age that you're targeting, sure, um, it makes a big difference. So that's a, that's a good experiment. So you can go talk to a bunch of folks who, who claim that they do home repairs on DIY home repair. You could and that's a great first experiment. Just go talk to people, right? As, right. as we say with products, of right? course. You could like you could grab you know grab a, a ten dollar tripod, uh-huh. put, your, put your phone on it, point it at your face. And, and talk about this five minute repair you did this weekend and maybe grab the tripod and point the camera to it as well. And, and like, and put it up on YouTube. It's ugly. It's, it's raw. The sound probably sucks, but so what? Like it's, it's something, right? Yeah. It, it gets, and, and, and you don't want to, you don't want to go in and start to buy lights and DSLR cameras and, you know, convert your garage into a home studio before <laughs> right. you have evidence that people want to watch your videos. I, it, it's funny you mentioned that as an example. I mean, I'm the quintessential guy that is like, oh, I could totally, I actually have a repair person that's supposed to be today, but it's only because it's something that literally might start a fire in our home. So I, I want that <laughs> to be taken care of by a professional, but I actually went to fix something on our washer or like our dishwasher recently. And I found that the, the you know, it was leaking water. There was a guy that had made a video about that particular dishwasher about that particular problem. And it had like 500,000 views. And, and I thought, yeah. oh my gosh, what, what an incredible opportunity that, um, that this guy decided to shoot. And it was low quality. It was him just like you said, with the, his, his phone probably. Um, and this, it, it's exactly what you're talking about. He decided to put that experiment out there. Obviously there's 500,000 people that had an issue with this, or we watched it multiple yeah. times. It's that it is a fascinating world that we live in where that can be done that's look that's that's one poorly built dishwasher oh right? i know it <laughs> half was... a million half a million people um yeah but, but look at it but look at this here's a killer statistic i just learned this the other day because i was i watch i watch youtubers with my daughters and of course um, and they're good like they're good yeah. a lot of these guys are yeah. really funny right um 6600 youtube accounts 6600 youtube accounts hit 1 million subscribers last year. I read that stat too. Isn't that crazy? A million. Madness. A million a subscribers. Million. Nearly 7,000 people hit a million subscribers. And the number for like 500,000 subscribers is exponentially higher. Yeah, right. Right? So, so there's, 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 the audience is there. The, the, the hunger for content is insatiable. Um, and you've got a real opportunity. And look, YouTube is just one example of this, right? Yeah, of course. You've got a real opportunity to start to build a network and a platform and an audience around you, a reputation that then serves as career insurance, right? As, 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 as a step towards forever employability. So like, will you start getting job offers right away? Probably not. You'll Mm. probably get a speaking offer. You'll probably get asked to speak at a conference or do a podcast or that type of thing. But look, I, I mean, I have been in situations where I, I, I remember when I first moved, uh, I first moved here to Spain, I gave a talk at a local travel company. They were competing with um, booking.com. Everyone competes mm. with booking.com because they're yeah. enormous. Yeah, of course. Um, and, I, and I came in, I spent a day with them, a day giving talks and a half day workshop, um, standard stuff for me, like pretty much standard stuff of what I do. And at the end of the day, they offered me the chief product officer job. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, "Hey, do you, like, do you want to be our CPO?" And I was like, "I don't know." But, but like, this this is really thank you, but I'm flattered. Exactly. But, but, 
but that stuff happens, right? It's, it, it, that stuff does start to happen when you build, you start to build a bit of a reputation for yourself and, and, and the opportunities do start to come in. Yeah. It's funny. That same story happens as an agency for us a lot. So we'll have a client who has consumed all of our content, is excited to work with us. And then they start talking and we'll be in the sales process. And then one of the owners will, will ping me on the side and go, hey, what would it look if I just acquired your company? And it's like, now I, just, you know, I want you as a client because I want to do this for lots of other people. And like, let's, let's, let's actually, you know, hold hands first before we jump in yeah. too far. But, but it's the same idea. People are so hungry to have a good resource for the best, the best way to get things done, the best way to do something. Um, there's a guy, you know, TikTok is obviously scaling like crazy over the last yes. year. And there's a, there's a young man who does these awesome 30 second UX design uh, videos. Um, oh, wow. I, I should know his name because I, I watch him regularly, but I'm, I'm blanking on it right now. But they're simple. They're just, um, it's him saying, here's a couple tips. Um, here's how you create a flexible button. Everything from a flexible button to the best color grading tools and et cetera. And he has over a million followers now. And I mean, wow. the, he can't be older than, I mean, I'm guessing, but he can't be older than 25, 26. Wow. And it's just, it's, and that, that platform didn't even exist a few years ago. Um, and so- it, I think what you're saying, I, I want so many people to read your book because I think this is, this is the next wave of how work and, and thought and, and collaboration is going to be done. Yeah, um, being creators, be look, yeah, being creators is, is the way to do it. Um, just a quick, just a quick, I just want a, a quick sort of plus one on the TikTok thing. So again, everyone's like, TikTok is for the kids, it's for the teenagers, right? And I agree, that's, it's, it's kind of massive, but That's where it started for like, sure. Right. But you're talking about this guy who's relatively young. He's got a million followers doing UX. There's, there's a woman who I've been following on LinkedIn for a while. She's in the recruiting and the headhunting and HR space. Yeah. And her name is uh, JT O'Donnell. And I, I hope she doesn't hear this because I, no I have no idea how old she is. But my guess, I'm going to guess she's like early 50s. Okay. Sure. And sure. And, and if she's not, and she hears this, I'm really, really sorry. Right? I just, but, that's, <laughs> but that's, but that's, that's my guess. We're um, breaking a bunch of rules right now, but that it's all good intentions. <laughs> so. But my, my, my point is, is that she has a million followers right. on TikTok, Right. And, and she makes 30, 60 second videos about uh, how to do great at a job interview, what to put on your resume, like, yeah. you, you know, and, and she has a million followers. So, so there's nothing stopping anyone from using any platform. These that's all right. these like perceptions, like oh, that's for the kids or whatever. Yeah, whatever. If it works for you, give yeah. it a shot. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious where, as you've been talking to people, um, where do you see kind of the, the, it turning into a real job? You know, there's the there's the first experiments of I'm putting a, a flag in the ground. I'm you know, getting the content out there. I've written my hypothesis. I'm starting to put, um, giving, I think you talk about giving it, give it away, right. Give it away for free. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on every podcast possible. I'm, um, writing every blog post, et cetera. At what point do you see it become a reality that now it is a, is it a, pro a professional opportunity to be doing this type of work, whether for it's for yourself or where you're seeing your, the clients that you're working with, what's that transition actually look like? So, Everybody's journey is different, 
And sure. I, it, look, it took me a long time. It, I mean, I started this in 2008. I didn't quit my full-time job, my full-time sort of working for somebody else job for four, until four years later. Um, and, and at that point I started a company and I didn't go, I didn't become self-employed until five, five years ago. So about five and a half mm-hmm. years ago or so. And so my journey's taken different steps and it's taken me a dozen years or so to get this far coming up on 13 years. I recently interviewed um, on the video, the video sort of podcast series that I do on my, on my blog called Forever Employable Stories, a guy named Danny Thompson. Danny Thompson is a software developer in Memphis, Tennessee. And his story is amazing. And he, he was up until two, three years ago, he was frying chicken in a gas station. And he'd been doing that for, for a decade. Yeah. And he, he, had, he had had a kid and he looked around and he was like, this is not my future. Right. And he went and basically taught himself to write code. He took all these like free code camp and boot camps and that type of thing. Yeah. And today he's a software, he's a software developer, he's employed full-time and he leads meetups in his local community and he makes YouTube videos, tutorials, and he's got a massive Twitter following like, and, 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 and he did this in like two years. Right. Right. And, and so for him, right. this is like, he is, he's created like, and God forbid this happens, but if his, for something happened to his company and he was laid off tomorrow, he's employed by Monday. He's, he's right. reemployed by Monday. Guaranteed. He's cause he's already got that audience. It's like, it's, yep. it's, oh, so much validation, which when hiring, which I do, I hire software engineers and designers and everybody's resumes and interviews sound exactly the same. But when you have somebody that put a bunch of content out in the world and created a story that is dynamic, all of a sudden they just rise to the top. And it's actually they care. something for- They care. Right? Yeah, right. It's something for a long time I was telling students because students would come to say, how can I work at Crema? I really want to work there. And I would say first two things. One, go taste more things. Just go experience more things in life. And then two, um, go make more things and show them to me. I don't care if you do them through another company. I don't care if you like basically redesign Facebook. I don't care if you go whatever. If it's fake, I don't care. Go make things and then show me how you did it. And I think Mm -hmm. now the thing is go make more things and show everyone how you did it. Right. Um, And that's that's the pivot. And, And... And look, and that's the terrifying part for so many people. It's like, it's like, okay, I did this in my spare time. Now yeah. I got to put it out there for everybody to see it. Yeah. Put it out there for everybody to see it and, and get that real world feedback. And that's, that's the thing that, that makes people stand up, stand out ultimately, right? Is, is the, the bravery to, to put their stuff out there and get some feedback on it. I'm excited for this. You, you mentioned that it, it sometimes takes time and, I, I want to recognize that because I think the same thing is true for Crema, right? We're 12, 13 years old. What will be 13 as a as kind of full story of me leaving my job, um, starting it from a hospital room all the way to where we are now with about 50 employees. Wow. And um, that story, I mean, you know, the first five years of it, like five people. And we never, you know, five to six people. And we never got more than that. And, and everybody now sees us as this, you know, midsize agency, pretty well known in the Midwest um, and, and, and certain parts of the coast. And it's like, wow, how'd you get there so quickly? Well, we didn't actually get yeah. here very quickly. <laughs> We've been working at it for a long time. And, yeah. um, and I think that's a good reminder is that this isn't, this isn't about an overnight success. It's about no, this is, this putting in the work. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, this is work, 
right? And um, I just got, as an inspirational plug, because I really enjoyed it, I just got Seth Godin's new book, The Practice. Oh, um, I've seen it. I want to get it. And, Is it good? And it, it's good. It's great. It's like, it's like, you know, like 50 to 150 word snippets and there's like 220 of them or whatever yeah but but it's it's super inspirational and and you know for this kind of stuff and he just talks about he's like like do the work get up every day build a routine and ship ship creative work it doesn't it doesn't count if you don't ship it basically like like it's art if you don't ship it it's art right (laughs) but it's so true and and otherwise and, and then get the feedback learn from the feedback be present in the conversation and it's 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 great. It's like there's good little mantras in there to kind of hang on yeah. your wall, you know, and stuff like I that. I love that. So, yeah. Jeff, I always love catching up with you and, and thank you for, for sharing this, your well, sharing your story really, because this book in many ways is, is your personal story of doing what you did and how others can, can do the same. Um, so thank you for putting this together. I thoroughly enjoyed it and, and recommend everyone check out forever employable and um, where else can people learn about what you're working on this today or um, where they can find you to do other things with you? Sure. I mean, look, I'm, I'm ever present on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, but if you, if you go to my website, jeffgodhealth.com, everything that you need to know is there. All the links are there. Feel free to connect on LinkedIn as well. I'd love to see you there. Awesome. Jeff, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, George. Good to see you again. episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Gabby Caton, Julie Branson, and Alexa Alfonso. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.